Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the Upper Room. In today's Upper Room conversation, Brian shares how Christ's presence and guidance continues to transform him and provide the power to lead and love others better. Hi, this is Giles, and welcome to The Upper Room. Today I'm joined by Brian, who is a regular family member in The Upper Room, and he's going to share a bit about his faith journey uh, with all of us. Thanks, Giles. Um, thanks for leading this conversation and for giving me the chance to share. Um, I hope that somehow, some way, my story can um, help people, listeners, know me a little bit better and have yeah, put a face and a story with um, everything else that's going on. So, you know, when I get started, I, I think, yeah, how do I do this? You know, how do you, how do you tell your story and, and what do you share and, and how far back do you go? And I think as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, a great, great way to do it would be just to tell my story of baseball throughout. And so I'm going to start off first base, hitting a single. Um, and um, the very first thing that comes to mind in my faith faith journey is, is community. Uh, I was raised um, by a group that truly lived out Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Uh, very small Baptist community on the west side of Indianapolis, and if there was one thing that I could say about this group, I mean, they loved each other well, mm. and I was constantly around people that, that loved me, that cared for me, that knew my name, that knew my story, and um, and and I was super, super lucky that those people even um, got to be a part of the baseball journey because so many of those people were also at the Little League with me. And um, I just was um, it was led by a great shepherd, um, but I will say that you know something was missing was was definitely the depth of biblical fluency and depth of biblical knowledge and something that was just missing throughout, despite the fact that they you know they loved each other so well. It sounds like you grew up in a pretty great community of believers of of Christians, but maybe there was just a missing element, as you were saying, maybe a little bit of a missing element about actually <laughs> relating that all back to Christ and the Bible. For sure, for sure. It was a, it was a great place to, to be safe, uh, to share meals, to, um, well, yeah, they were my, the people from church, they were my babysitters growing up. It wasn't my family. My family isn't really big. There's, there's four of us, my siblings, but I don't have a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles and, and it was those people that helped helped raise me, um, and and I think you know being able to see them both on Sunday morning at church, living out that life, and then also to see them throughout the week at the baseball diamonds, living out that life was was pretty impactful on me. And I will say it was a huge part of my formation spiritually because I've kind of been seeking that kind of community for my whole life. I've been looking for that in the churches that I've attended. I looked for it in college. I've been searching for those things, you know, ever since I was little. How did you feel, though, with your own personal growth with Jesus during this time? I know you were going to church, and you obviously had these people surrounding you all the time, but what were, were you doing anything, or how did you feel your own growth was? Probably the best way to describe it would be um, if I was 
I was a young, if I was a, a young guy that came over to this house, to your house now, you would have loved me. Uh, I was, I was, my parents taught me to be polite and respectful. I knew how to interact with adults. Um, but there was, there was always something missing. I always felt like I was, so it's like, I thought, I thought I was a Christ follower. I thought, I mean, I'd been baptized at a relatively young okay, age, okay. but you know, as my story unfolds, I think that a main thread or a main theme that, that will go through it is, is that, you know, for the longest time, I thought I was a Christ follower, but I was really pursuing my own stuff and trying to keep him over in a in a portion of the pie or a portion of my life um, that was pretty segmented from a lot of the rest. But I will also say, I mean, I was loved. I was loved. And, you know, a couple people that come to mind, um, there was a, a lady that was at the Little League and also at church, um, African-American family, and she was a principal of a big high school in Indianapolis. And she um, she would always, she was always singing, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, you know, but to trust and obey. And she was always saying that, and, there, and she did this thing that has impacted me probably my whole life, which was, you would have an interaction with her, she would always touch your arm, she would always touch you some way, and before it was all said and done, she would say, I love you, Brian. And she wouldn't let go of your arm until you said, I love you, Jackie, back to her. And I also know that she lived that as a principal, and she did that same thing as a principal in an inner city school in Indianapolis for years and years and years. And, you know, just a huge part of my life. Um, and I think a script, another scripture that comes to mind from this group is, you know, who are my brothers and mother? Right. Because this was my family, right? This was my family. We we um, we just I was just so so blessed and so lucky um, to have that, um, you know. And there were and there were others too. That you know, my grandparents lived in Florida, and so I had some surrogate grandparents that you know that spoke life into me and that let me drive their '67 Corvette Stingray convertible and and got to do those experiences. And I just have felt really really lucky to have had that. Um, both, and so, and so fundamentally the early part of my life, um, was, you know, and this was, you know, probably until I was 10 or 12 years old, you know, was really centered around that community aspect, being loved well, being, have, having people in my life that truly care about me and, and that I knew, I knew, I knew loved me and, and, and would come to my back and come to my rescue if I needed it. Yeah, what a great formation, and just for you to begin to understand community in such a deep way at a young age, and I know that a lot of people don't have that, but those that have gone through that, it's a it's an incredible experience, so that's awesome that you were able to do that. What did, as you became a teenager and you moved on, did you continue in this good path that you were on? Did you continue playing baseball? Uh, I'm imagining, since you're using the analogies of the bases, and well, what I know about you, I'm sure you did, but just... What did it look like as you were, you know, coming of age, um, sort of in the age of reason and those kind of things? Yeah, my um, my my coming of age really began to pull me away from that that community. Um, and the older I got, um, I was a I was I was kind of an early bloomer. I mean, I was this typical um, you know youth sports prodigy because I was just bigger and faster and stronger than everybody you know up until high school. 
um, yeah, so I blossomed early, um, and I was pretty advanced and I, and I, and I worked hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I worked hard and enjoyed it, but, um, but I think I was really, um, losing this idea that, um, that it's only God. And this is, you know, from first Corinthians 12, that it's only the spirit that gives gifts, that gives good gifts. You know, he alone, he, he alone determines which gifts we should have. And, and I think I lost that. I lost that because I did have this gift. I was afforded the opportunity to play internationally before I was in high school. Um, I was a part of, a, of, a, of an elite travel baseball team before every travel baseball team was elite, you know, which we could, that's neither here nor there. Um, and, and by the time high school rolled around, um, you know, it was pretty much the center of my life. Um, I would miss miss church activities. I would miss um, retreats all for the excuse of, well, I got a baseball tournament. I have a commitment that I have to fulfill in this other place. Um, And I think at the same time, I really would say I was living this duplicitous life. Like the older I got, the more duplicitous it became. The more I was pursuing all of these things of my own, but pretending that I was truly, you know, following Jesus. It sounds like there was a transition or, you know, a transition in your life, and it was a pretty dramatic transition from those early stages of being in the community and sort of playing ball, but it not being necessarily the central focus of your life and still being pretty faith-based back then till this time. Did you experience this as a transition? Well, little by little, I think... I think God planted seeds, um, and one in particular that I can recall from um, it's my freshman or sophomore year, you know, 1992, um, and, and I swear, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, the guy may have been an angel because his name was John Smith, and I swear that <laughs> that's, that's really his name. name. I know, <laughs> I know, but, that, but it, was, it was his name, and he, he, he played this really m- minor role time-wise in my life, but a major role in my spiritual development. And that was, um, he came to football practice in the fall and said, hey, I'm with, and he was with one of the, the youth sports, Christian youth sports programs, Youth for Christ, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, some, something along that line. And he said, I want to, um, to start a Bible study with just athletes, and we're going to focus on you know, the things that you guys deal with. And so I was all in. And it started out, there were a handful of us, three or four and we would meet at Taco Bell right next to school. And as it trickled on, I became the only one that kept attending. And John was the one that taught me. He said, uh, he said Brian, what do you love most in the world? And I was like, oh, it's baseball. I mean, it's hands down. I mean, the, fir- the last, you know, when we lost our last game of football season, my dad and I had this thing. He'd say, well, you know what tomorrow is? First day of baseball season. And that's just kind of the focus that we had. And John taught me, he said, he said, well, God gave you that gift. Why don't you give it back to him? And so there was some, there was some things going on. Uh, and again, this is that duplicitous life where I was trying to, and I do remember, I remember as I put my cleats on and as I, as I walked onto the baseball field, I remember going through a ritual of praying and saying, okay, God, this next hour and a half of baseball practice, this is you and me. And this game, this is you and me. And, um, and, and I became 
I mean, I was, I was a, I was a very, very good high school ball player. Um, now the duplicitous side was I just left a wake of destruction, um, mostly centered around lust and girls, mm. just left a wake of destruction in this other life. Um, because I was living hidden. Um, I was living just very worldly. I didn't have a lot of, um, I didn't have a place where I could be authentic and real and share. It felt like I could share, you know, those, those dark sides and those dark parts of who I was. Because it had been modeled to you that that was not really the healthy part of maybe of a community, uh, to be able to share those kind of things. Cause I'm thinking about my own childhood. That was not really things talked about was dealing with those kind of issues and those confessing in those kind of environments. But I mean, it really does sound though, like you're really trying to live a life that honored God, even though you were still struggling with those things. Definitely, definitely. And I think the whole concept of walking with God and um, involving him in every decision that I was making uh, was clearly, was not a part of the way I Mm. operated. And and so, um, so when it got to be my senior year, and n- no, there weren't any colleges that were really looking at me, and I, c- I couldn't quite figure it out at the time. I mean, I, I've come to some realizations through the whole process, but um, I made the decision to go to um, to go to college and pursue Division One baseball, but I made it completely devoid of any relationship with Jesus, any any conversation with him, anything. And, and again, it was kind of a, at that point in my life, it was this culminating piece of doing things my own way without him. And I know that we, it's so uncomfortable for people to talk about idols in their lives, but would you honestly say that baseball was probably an idol that was above God, uh, at this time of your life? Without question, uh, without question. Um, it was it, it was the only driving force. And, and so again, I had, I had Jesus back in this compartment part of my life. Um, but, but I think there's no question that I was pursuing something, uh, and, and very, a, a very temporal and very short sighted thing as well. Knowing that, I mean, it's not like running or bicycling or something that you can do for the rest of your life. I mean, eventually, Eventually, you know, your your days playing baseball come to an end. So I was going to ask you. So you had said you you were going off to college. You had chosen like Div One, and I sort of want to throw back one of the questions you always ask people, and you've asked me before is, well, how'd that work out for you? Not great. I um, so you know I was very strong student, um, and of course when you live in Indiana. If you're a strong math student in particular, you know you got to go to Purdue or Rolls Holman or become an engineer. And uh, I did major in engineering, and went to college, and got, and I was doing the best I could, but you know, flunked a class for the first time ever in my entire life. Um, you know, like I had, I hadn't gotten a C since sixth grade, I think, and that was kind of earth shattering. And it was one of those where it was like, man, no matter how hard I tried, I was not going to be an engineer. It wasn't in me. I didn't have that. And then, you know, baseball-wise, um, I was used to winning. I can't. You know, we won when I was a kid. I was a part of very, very good high school and travel baseball teams. I, I was used to winning. And this was a losing program that had lost for years. And I was miserable. 
I was miserable. And I had pretty much summed up that this, I was getting ready to lay down this idol. I was getting ready to lay down this idol one way or the other. And in, in this, the decision I thought I had before me was I'm going to stop playing baseball, go back to the same college, join a fraternity and see what happens next and replace. Basically I would have been replacing the one idol with another. As I'm listening to you, I know, know you would start off talking about first base, but it certainly sounds like you're sort of rounding second now. Have we, have we, ha, have you moved on from I, first base to I, second base? I, I did. Yeah. Those, that, uh, that time from about 12 to really, it lasted on into my twenties. This, this really lasted into my twenties. Um, even though I'd say once again, another kind of seed planted. So we had the they had the seed of my freshman and sophomore sure. year of giving my gifts back to God. And then the seed planted here in this second one was um, I came home from my freshman year of baseball and I played summer ball and I had gotten better. I had gotten better sitting the bench. I had gotten better catching in the bullpen and practicing. And I had a really, really, really good summer. And this uh, love and this passion for baseball was reignited in me. But it was different because this time the idol had been laid down. I'd already laid it down and had determined that I wasn't going to pursue that anymore. And then God just rekindles it. And I, and, I, and of course, too, as I say this, I mean, understand, I mean, I'm reflecting back over this faith right. journey from 25 years. Like, right. I, I didn't know this at the time. Right. But, um, but the seed that was planted was two of those individuals from that community that I grew up in um, went to small Christian college. Uh, here in central Indiana. And when it was time to go looking for schools, all they said to me was, dad, just go check it out. Oh, oh, Hey, hey, have you gone and visited Anderson? Just go check it out. Just go see, just, just humor me was basically the message that they'd sent to me. And so during this summertime, uh, we sent a letter to, to the coach at Anderson. They had not recruited me that I didn't know really anything about them. I didn't know anybody that went there. And he called me back and said, Brian, like you, you weren't Anderson recruit. You were, you were, you were division one recruit. And it's, I knew who you were. I just didn't pursue you. We would love it if you'd want to come and, mm. and spend time here. And so I went to, so we went and did a visit. And on the way up, my dad says, you know, what are you looking for? What are you, what are you looking for? What, what words do you want to hear from the coach? You know, what's this look like? I said, Dad, I don't know. I don't know. You know, what's going to, you know, what's going to change your mind? I don't know. And I couldn't answer that. But today I can say the decision was made sitting in a bench on one end of campus, looking down through what's called the Valley with all the school buildings on both sides and, and, and all the pathways and everything down in between. And, and I just knew in my heart, I knew in my heart that this was where I was supposed to be. And the decision was made not out of my own strength and my own power, but it was actually whatever that feeling was sitting on that couch, on that bench. I need more of that. As I'm listening to you here, it's just so cool how God redeems things because it, not only was he redeeming baseball in this moment for you, something that you loved, but he also redeemed the community. The community was the one that these guys from the community they were the ones that came up beside you again and just thinking about how you had sort of walked away from that community and then how they were still there. 
Yeah. And then not only were they still there, but then God introduced me to more of them in this place. And, um, and so, you know, that was kind of that next phase for me. And like I said, it, it did, it lasted, it lasted on into my, it did last on into my twenties. It, it, it's been a process, um, of letting go of these things. But I think that going to Anderson and making that transition was the first time I said, you know, there's something more, there's something bigger. And God started awakening. And I thought, well, so I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm going to give my life back and I'm going to be a teacher and a coach. Okay. And I, and I pursued that. And, um, but I will also say that, um, as we round second and we head into third, um, I think the next phase of my life really started there, which was Romans seven fifteen. I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, I was pursuing God and I was trying to, to incorporate it all into one pie, but I couldn't figure out why I was still struggling with the lust issues and the pornography and the things that I had been struggling with for so long. Did you meet your wife at Anderson? I did. I did. Um, in fact, we met one of the very first weekends that I was on campus. Uh, this friend group that I'm still a part of, this community that I'm still a part of 25 years later, uh, she she ran around with them, and, and they were getting together to watch a movie and hang out, you know, because we're broke college students, and that's what you do. And um, we met that very first, that one of the very first weekends I was on campus, and we didn't start dating at the time. It took took quite a bit of time, you know, for that friendship to develop and for those things to move on. But yeah, Amy was uh, definitely a big, big part of that transformation as well. Also, when you think about it, the fact that that other thing didn't work out ended up being a bl- real blessing in the end. Absolutely. Um, God is so faithful in allowing us to make choices and yet constantly redeeming even through pain and through suffering and through the the stupidity of my own life and my own decisions, you know, all along he was there calling me and moving, moving me towards, um, he, he planted those seeds of community and of faith and of, of, of desire and even the gifts of ball that had all led to, to, to all of that. So you're teaching now, so you've got a job as a teacher and probably a coach, right, at, at this point. And uh, so, I mean, how's, it, how's, how's that all going? Well, I'm no longer a teacher and a coach, um, <laughs> if that tells you anything. Um, but, but I really, um, you know, God, God desires influence. He desires His influence in the world. And I thought, well, what a great platform, you know, to take what I love and to take and to, and to be in front of, of kids and have influence, and it, but if I was if I was being honest, I would say I was still doing it out of my own power, and I wasn't. Um, I was pursuing him, but the but those things were still coming out of my own power. It was really hard to break that. Well, he, you know, he gifted me with those things, and I was good, and I, and I so I was on this path to be, become a head coach um, to to have a successful baseball program. There's good pedigree. You know, we had a, a state championship uh, baseball program that I was a part of and some players that were playing in, playing professionally. And, and 
really thought that that's where he was. And, um, but I still had to come to the end of myself again, much like I did at that, you know, my first college experience here, I was again in my twenties, I had to come to the end of myself and, um, and I actually ended up losing my job and very quickly. Um, and again, the, the, I think one of those seeds was, and, and I will tell you, this is the first time that I really ever, you talked about, um, in your story, you talked about when God audibly spoke to you in the woods. Um, and he, he took me out of, of society and I was, I was driving in the middle of the night up working at FedEx and he, that was when he began to speak audibly to me and sit next to me and teach me and talk me about, talk to me about, about confession and about vulnerability and about, you know, the things that needed, you know, and guiding me and steering me. And, uh, and he, it was the most amazing thing while he stripped me of the baseball part. He did allow me to go back into teaching for a while, but he, and he also began to rebuild in me. He said, no, I still want you to be a head coach, but baseball is not, not the medium. You know, that was just my gift to you to enjoy that. I've got bigger and better things planned for you. I love as you're sharing today, because there's just, there seems to be those moments of tension. I'm wondering, like, as part of your foundation and your early faith was this concept of, and I know there's a lot of faith backgrounds to do that, but this concept of just try harder. You were just always almost finding yourself in that mode of trying hard. I'm trying harder instead of surrender. Does that, I mean, does that make any sense? I think that's a great way of putting it and a great way of describing it. And I think a, a very tangible, real story was, um, was that, you know, when I was at Valpo, when I was pursuing the division one baseball, I came to realize a couple of things, and one, and the first and foremost was, I was out of my league. Mm. I'm undersized. You know, I was five nine. I was 185 pounds. The the two guys that I was competing for uh, for catcher position were both like six one, six two, you know, 215 pounds. Um, you know, and while I made up for some things in grit and desire, I was out of my league. And I had to, I had to come to that, you know, I had to come to know that God, I had to go to Valpo to learn that, you know? Um, and even in my coaching career, he helped me because as I saw, we had one player that was being looked at to play professionally. And when I saw him, I learned, oh my gosh, like he's got stuff that I don't have. Mm. He's got stuff that I don't have. And this very concept of try harder, it was this, it didn't matter how hard I tried. I was never going to play professional baseball. I could put all the effort and all the hours in. I was never going to be fast enough. I was never going to be big enough. I was never going to hit the ball far enough. I, 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 no amount of effort was going to make that happen. And so very, very good analogy with my spiritual life as well, that I tried to apply that same effort to being a better Christian, being a better person and it was devoid really of any transformative power you did mention something before i want to dive back into you said something about i realized i wasn't supposed to coach baseball um, and that wasn't a part but i was supposed to be a head coach can you explain a little bit what that means well i mean that that kind of is going to be a fast forward from you know my mid-20s 
having kids, coaching baseball, starting out that, that whole career thing. And it's kind of a fast forward and a blur of things um, in the last 10 years, 10 to 12 years here. And um, it really gets to, I no longer teach. Uh, I'm, I, I have an office job, a desk job. It's, it's been, it's been great and it provides for, for my family and, and whatnot. But but I, I have not lost in about, I'd say about going on three years ago, um, I, had a, I had an experience that really broke my heart again for young people. Mm. And that was that, um, and for anyone listening that has the delusion that teachers don't have favorites, let me tell you, each of your teachers has favorites. Uh, and it's just a fact of life. You can't, there, you know, there's just some kids that you just connect with better and um my goat my my greatest of all time um closest student I was closest to um and she struggled with depression um anxiety she had a child and um had some postpartum and anyway was um transitioning medications and had a psychotic issue and and took her own life and it really broke my heart for this generation of young people. And it really made me see there's this group of people out there that are lonely, that feel that, like me, that they, they couldn't necessarily talk to their parents. They didn't want their parents' religion. Um, they maybe even couldn't talk to their teachers. You know, there was just a few that I had relationships with. And that this, that God, that, that when Jesus says, you know, go and make disciples, He's calling. There's a there's a bigger calling out there, um, but again, if I'm doing it out of my own power, it's going to be completely useless. And so, I I do think that that he had everything that he had done has prepared me for um, for that great commission of going out and creating disciples um, disciples of Christ that um, that that I can share my story with. And that we can walk alongside and point them to him as the, as the author and as the finisher of their faith. And you know, I'm I'm thinking as you're sharing that story. First of all, it, it breaks my heart that you had to go through that experience, and just imagine even for her family and all of that. But one of the things is I, I think it, it's cool how God gives illustrations of things because you know you, you're sharing about how you're going to run through this baseball analogy of things. But as you're sharing, at the end, I realized. You know, what I know about baseball is you can't just be you can't be on the bench and then you make the decision to go into the game. The coach has to tell you to go into the game and the coach tells you where to go and the coach gives you the direction. You play the ball and those are the skills and gifts that you have gotten, but it's the coach that gives the direction. And it sounds like a large portion of your life was you either sitting on the bench not and the coach tells you to go in and you didn't go in or are you sitting on the bench and deciding when you were going in and not listening for the coach to give you direction. I mean, does that, does that sound like a pretty good analogy? Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. And I would even add to add to it one more, which is that I was trying to be the player coach. I was trying to be the player coach where not only was I deciding what I did and the direction and the, the place that I was in the order and what my role was going to be, but then I was also going out and trying to execute, and and it's like, and you just it be, it's just overwhelming. You can't do it. 
you can't do it. And that's not what I mean by it being devoid of power. I just want to dive into that a little bit, you know, because we've gone through a lot of your life here. Um, but I do want to make sure that we touch on where were in the last three years, say from this moment that this took place, uh, areas of transformation within yourself that have led you to the point where you are today and the desires on your heart and how you see that being uh, fulfilled by Christ? Oh, one of the big ones was, and first of all, great question. And one of the big ones uh, is that um, in 2017, I went through, a, I call it a midlife crisis, I don't know. But I went through this question that said, um, and of course, you know, hidden in this word disciple is this word disciplined, mm. right? And and God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you my disciple? I was like, well, I don't know. And he said, okay, okay, you know, okay, well, we can work with that. And he says, well, are you disciplined? And I thought, you know what? I've never really considered myself to be a disciplined person. And he says, well, when was the last time you missed work? No call, no show. Well, never. I've never done that. Oh, oh. so you are disciplined. Uh, you know, how often do you forget to brush your teeth? You know, you put your pants on before you leave in the morning. And God points out all these, and it's comical, and it was, and it is kind of the way he speaks to me. But he points out to me, he's like, no, you're a disciplined person. So let's start being disciplined. And so I lost 50 pounds. I've gained some of it back in the, in the meantime. But I, but I went through this year of I lost 50 pounds. Um, I fasted from, I started fasting from Facebook was where, where fasting began. And I just said, okay, for a month or for Lent, I'm going to give up Facebook completely and, or games on my phone or whatever it might be. And then it progressed to... Well, if I can do that, then certainly I'm disciplined enough to read my Bible every right, day. Right, right. To read my Bible every day. And it began with, and, 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 and to anybody listening out there, I'm going to tell you, much like the rest of my story, I didn't just sit down and the first year that I tried this made it all the way through the Bible. It, it didn't happen that way. But, but I did it for three months. And then the next year I did it for six months. And then the next year, I read, you know, um, you know, I read all of Daniel's story, uh, all of King David's story, and the kings of of Israel. And so, this the idea of being in the Word daily and encountering God daily, and Him teaching me through His Word, became a big part of my life. Maybe share about then how that made the transition to even being discipled and yeah. and learning some skills, some confidence even because you'd already been in God's word and he had already started to give you the word about who you're supposed to be and, and, and your purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, who would have thought, Giles, that while you were in Kenya and while I was here and the two or three Skype calls that we did over a couple of years and the retreat that we did when you were back kind of on sabbatical, you know, it, who would have thought that that we would have been drawn together? And and what happened was, um, I saw that same discipline. I saw the same transformation taking place in you, and you saw some of those things in me. And 
I didn't get to go through the, the, the training that you went through. It wasn't afforded to me. I don't have the same circle of friends that afforded you that, but your invitation to me to really begin this process and, um, and, and co-disciple that the, the things you have poured into me that God has poured into me through you. And then the decision to co-disciple the, the, you know, those, those, these young guys and, um, and to go through it myself, you know, is really where I find myself now and realizing that all of those things, the things I learned about community and how to love each other well, um, the things I learned about my gifts and how God supplies the power for those gifts, not me, and then the things that I learned about laying down my life and becoming disciplined about the things that God wants me to be disciplined about are all coming together now and um and I and now we're round and third and we're headed for home and the fact that I get to spend the rest of my life doing that um and I cuz I don't I don't know that I, we don't get we don't get home we don't we don't get to go home until we get to go home and so you know we'll be in this transition um of of pursuing God loving others um and run in this race uh, until God calls us home. Yeah, and how awesome is our God and how much he loves us. Your story sure shows me the patience of God with us as he walks this journey with us to prepare us for what he has next. And I'm excited to be on this journey with you. And I'm excited. I'm thankful for the story that you shared, your testimony today. And I think that's going to be very impactful for other people who may find themselves on some part of that journey and want to know what to do next. Well, and I hope um, I hope that people come back and, and I hope that we get lots more stories of God impacting and reaching people where they're at um, and lots more testimonies as we go on this journey. Amen. And thank you, uh, Brian, for sharing today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.